Cougar Nation, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train. I am your host, Joe Wheat. That's at Joe Wheat 27 on Twitter. Joined by uh, my boys, Jason Stewart and Trevor Levitt. Uh, we are short one today. Again, uh, Hunter Hunter Miller has a has a day job that is seemingly more important than our podcast. So uh, we're going to let him tend to his uh, important business with the Utah His day Warriors. job became a night job. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. He, he's just mourning Tom Brady beating New England in Boston so oh poor guy uh it, yeah the, the rain all the rain really did was just mass Hunter Miller's uh 400 <laughs> Miller's tears um but no he's uh he's he's yeah the day job turned into a night job I am all too familiar with that working in public accounting so uh Hunter we miss you and uh hopefully you'll you'll be back with us soon um but with that, we're coming off uh, another BYU win, as, uh, as we, we predicted on the podcast last week. Uh, <laughs> probably not a surprise, BYU, uh, as, I, as I said before, this is a uh, hammer-nail relationship, not a rivalry, but I digress. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a good weekend for BYU football all around. Um, like, you know, it, it started off with, obviously, BYU getting the win against Utah State. Um, and then Saturday, everyone, pretty much everyone BYU needed to lose, uh, lost in college football uh oh i forgot to mention this uh this is the official hype train podcast of your top 10 byu cougars let's go go. uh, (laughs) but no with that like everyone byu needed to lose on saturday it it all just kind of fell into place and then sunday you had uh you know via sikahema uh you know knocking his conference talk out of the park which was (laughs) awesome uh you know, all, all things in sequential order. And, and right now, BYU is number 10 in the sequence. So, uh, you know, nine is coming, then eight, then seven, then six, uh, all the way up to number one. But oh, can, uh, we, can we please just uh, appreciate that 10 is coming? Well, 10 <laughs> no, is 10, here. 10, 10 is here. 10 is here. 10 is here. Utah fans Man, were prophetic all summer I didn't long. Know that, I didn't know that you fans were prophetic, but – Man, little did they know. They might have a little bit of spirit up there that we didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 10 is here. Uh, but, yeah, no, to cap off the, the weekend, we kind of wanted to get started with this. Uh, Cougars in the NFL. Um, both uh, Taysom Hill and Zach Wilson uh, had phenomenal um, outings. Taysom Hill uh, just, you know, hitting the truck stick, uh, you know, all day long against the New York Giants for, for two touchdowns. Uh, looking like vintage Taysom, you know, vintage Taysom Hill, but also making me a little sad that he couldn't break through against Utah in 2016 on that two point conversion, but, uh, weren't enough tackles to break in that yeah, one, I no. guess. I, how many, how many tackles did he break on that? Seven. That run he broke seven tackles and then he dragged a guy into the end zone. So basically it's Taysom Hill against the New York giants and it's advantage Taysom Hill. So you, you take the, the Marshawn Lynch run against the Saints in the playoffs and you condense it to like a eight yard run. And that's essentially what Taysom did. Get on my back, hold my book of Mormon. Am I right? <laughs> yes. uh, but uh, no, Taysom, Taysom had a phenomenal outing. Um, but uh, you know, the story of the day was, uh, was Zach Wilson. I, I don't know about you guys. I feel vindicated we we uh it's it's amazing what can happen when you when you give zach wilson more than 1.7 seconds to throw the football um and he looked really good so uh uh you know he was he was kind of the the talk of the town um i i can't remember i think it was espn uh came out with something today of uh, like kind of quarter way through the season uh superlatives um and the nfl gms voted zach wilson has the best throws of the season 
Um, and, and yesterday was was awesome. What was your guys' uh, favorite play from Zach Wilson's performance yesterday? Yeah, I think um, I think for me, I don't know if it was so much a favorite play as just seeing Zach finally look like he was having fun. And you look at like at the end of the game, they asked Coach Robert Soleil about uh, you know what he said and to, to Zach at the end of the game, and he asked if you're if you're having are you having fun yet? And and it just looked like our boy was having fun out there. Uh, he had time. He had time to have fun out there, which is probably the most important thing. Um, there were a couple of times, obviously, and on those deep throws where he had to create some space for himself. But I felt like, in general, the line did a good enough job to give him uh, room to to make the magic happen. And then, of course, uh, shout out to to Walmart DK Metcalf for redeeming himself <laughs> on that fifty nine yard touchdown. Corey Davis, uh, four catches, like one hundred and eleven yards, finally looking like the receiver. Uh, that was worth the contract that they gave him over the summer. So, Zach, Zach might be back. the The kid is uh, the kid's looking good. I know that they play Atlanta next week, and that defense has not been great. So, need to hope that he uh, can continue. Yeah, I mean, they go to London, which will be a very interesting game against Atlanta. Um, but I think like part part of the thing that I want to point out is he finally has his receivers back. I mean, Jamison Crowder hadn't played till uh, Sunday. Keenan that was Cole. big. Um, man, it just shows you the big difference. Um, I think that I mean, hopefully they can they can build on it. But not only was Zach having fun, but all of, the whole team was having fun. Like you could see this like moxie about them, like this belief uh, that they were going to win that game. And I think that that's huge. And yeah, Zach was. Yeah, I, I mean, like. They were making fun of him a lot because he's trying to throw the deep ball all the time and like it's not there. And then like finally, you know, he hits on a lot of them and just throwing these ridiculous passes that we took for granted last year, honestly. And now the NFL is like, wow, like this dude can throw the ball and hit like make any throw in the game. And they're just shocked. And so hopefully he keeps it up. And man, it was it was fun to just be on Twitter, on on Instagram, and just tons of film of Zach. And I, I just can't wait to keep watching him uh, throughout the year because I think he'll just get better too. And that's what's crazy. Sure. I, for me, there were three plays that really, you know, stood out that are, are just quintessential Zach Wilson for me. The first one was that, that for the 59 yard touchdown that, that Trevor alluded to, that was a, that was clutch. Um, like unbelievable. They, the, the Jets had just tied the game. They needed a drive and, you know, the Jets offense has been, you know, struggling all year so far, but like, did anyone else get flashbacks to the Texas state game on that throw? Yes. Like, uh, Absolutely. Where he rolls out of the pocket, goes, uh, you know, goes to the right sideline, you know, points to his receiver, directing traffic, and then just chucks it off platform, uh, you know, right on the money for a touchdown. I, I was driving uh, when that when that play happened, um, and I almost crashed. Like I like I was by myself, and I literally just let out an audible gasp, like, oh, like it it was just so pretty. Um, and then like the, the, you know, the bat, the bat shot, I need to get these like side by side, um, you know, the Texas state throw and, you know, this throw, because like even the celebrations were the same, like the swagger that Zach has just kind of like showing off to the sidelines and the sideline hyping him up. Like it was all just like perfect, like that. And the, the headiness of the play to notice that the safety was coming down um, and that, 
Corey, like that wasn't the, the assigned route that Corey Davis ran was supposed to be like a kind of a deep cross uh, to the sideline. And then when Zach saw the safety come down, he said, no, go to the end zone. I'll find you and found him. Like it's that, it's that kind of, it's that kind of stuff. Like he's so, he's just, intel- he's an intelligent football player. Um, like we know that he has the, the talent to be an NFL quarterback, but like you listen to his answers, you listen to the, his breakdown of the plays and it's so clear that he's got the, the brain of an NFL player. The other one that really stuck out to me was, uh, was actually a, a deep corner route where the, Zach dropped the snap um, and even said after the game, like pre-snap, he saw the, the look that the Titans were giving him and he knew right away that like this is going to be a big play because of the look. And he got so excited that he dropped the snap and then immediately looked up, saw the safety where he wanted him, and then just, you know, put it on a dime, uh, you know, to set up another score. But, like, that's just so it's such an intelligent dude. So, uh, yeah, hope, hoping for big things. Like, this could be a breakthrough performance. We'll see. Uh, the Jets are still the Jets. So, uh, <laughs> as, we, as we kind of discussed. This is often, true. So, um, but, no, I, I, I think if, if they can get Zach into rollout situations more often, I think the Jets are going to have a lot more success. I think part of the problem was early on in the season, they were just letting them, they just wanted them to throw from a pocket. Um, and in this case, the, the pocket was the pocket from uh, uh, the Polar Express where the, the, the bell fell out. So <laughs> just full of holes. So, uh, you know, shout out to get the reference. If you know but uh, so no, many, so many trains on this podcast. <laughs> all the trains. Um but uh, no, I think if they can get him in, you know, get him in more rollout situations, let him throw on the run a little bit more. Uh, you know, Zach, he's, you know, sky's the limit for him, man. So, uh, Zach, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. Uh, speaking <laughs> he here. heard us. He heard us last uh, week. Uh, no, yeah, I, I hope yeah, all the, all the best. I think, it. yeah, I think one of these, um, I think one of the things that, that Jason mentioned is uh, this was not perfect. Zach Wilson by any means uh, in, in the NFL. And I think, you know, he, he missed actually at the end of regulation uh, a first down pass to Corey Davis that essentially would have sealed it. Um, you know, over time would have never happened. They would have just milked the clock. Um, I don't know if I necessarily blame him for the play call on third and one in overtime to ice the game either. I thought that that play was ill-designed. Um, but as Joe mentioned you know, in his excitement. Um, and it's nice to see, I don't know, we see the swag from Zach, but like, you don't see necessarily a ton of emotion. Like the most emotion I've seen from Zach was when he crossed the goal line against USC. Uh, and it, you know, he throws his arms up in the air, but like, that's it, you know? And, and so to, to kind of hear that, you know, Zach's all, you know, giddy under the, under the center that he drops this football, kind of made me smile a little bit kind of you know made him feel a little bit more human rather than the football terminator we've known to him to be out in the football field uh but like jason said like he's going to get better uh he's going to make more throws um i would i would bet money that if they run into that situation again where Corey davis goes on that 12 yard out route uh to win the game i i would bet that zach's gonna hit it the next time um because he's just always hungry and i I just like, yeah, I mean, I keep, I keep referencing Jason is because it was such a great point. Um, everything that Zach does in the future, I think can just get better and better because of his attitude, but also uh, because we have just, we've yet to see Zach truly unleashed. 
think like what we're 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 also like comparing you know we expect Zach to go in and like win every game but I mean they won two games last year so like if they won four games this year that's a huge improvement from where they were last year absolutely I mean that's what they're on you know they're on pace to win four games now so it'll be interesting to see going forward how they do yeah, and I think another thing that's kind of been blown out of proportion for Zach is the interceptions. Like we we know, like what we're seeing of Zach right now is kind of more akin to like 2019 Zach than 2020 Zach, where he he showed that he had the talent, um, but some of his decision making was maybe a little questionable. Um, and I, but the the thing is like a lot of so he has he leads the he leads the league in picks which probably isn't that surprising for a rookie quarterback, but about half of those are a result of receiver error, whether it be a drop or a receiver falling down on a route. Like it's not as I, I the, the, the turnovers aren't as alarming to me as, uh, as they are to some, because part of it is like, yeah, you're going to take your lumps. Like you're going to see what you can get away with early on in your career. Um, but the other part of it is like his receivers have just kind of let him down. And like the picky threw on, on Sunday was kind of the same deal where Corey Davis fell down on the route. Um, and then it just ended up going right to the, right to the safety. So I don't know. I, I think, I hope this is a turning point for Zach and the jets. I think it might be, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if there's, you know, there's more struggles from, from here on, but um, I mean, it's obvious the talent's there. Yeah. I hope that even if the, even if uh, the Jets struggle, Zach does well. For sure. Um, but yeah, that, that concludes our, uh, our NFL coverage here on the podcast. Uh, we, uh, it's, it's a good time for Cougars in the NFL. It's, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, let's get down to the real reason you guys came here to discuss the, uh, the, battle, on the battle for the farm. Uh, BYU came away with the, with the victory against Utah State. Um, you know, the, it's more of the same of what we've seen, like, things kind of going wrong for BYU until they go right. Um, and, you know, BYU just kind of imposing their will uh, to, to finish things off. But uh, um, you guys have all obviously watched the game. BYU wins 34-20. Um, kind of like it was on pace to – it was on pace to, to be kind of what we all expected, where the BYU offense was absolutely dominant. Um, and the defense, they, they gave up – they – I, I, would, I can't even say they really gave up yards. They only gave up about four yards per play. Like first and second down, man, they looked like the 85 Bears. And then, you know, third down, I, it's, they didn't until uh, the second half, really. But, uh, yeah, what, what were some of your guys' uh, takeaways from the, from the game? Let's start with Jason. All right, for me, I, I think that, I mean, we talked, like, the BYU offense was dominant. I mean, Tyler Algier at two, over 200 yards running and was just lights out. I mean, he's top 10 yards in yards in the country, which is insane to think about. Especially, top 10 with last year as well. especially with the defenses he's gone up against so far. Um, oh, yeah. Like we, we mentioned before, like BYU, we, we mentioned this kind of offline that BYU has gone up against three of the top four defenses in the Pac-12. Um, and Algier has just, you know, been stellar throughout the season. But go ahead and keep on. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to it later, but I just, it shows how, just how, he's an NFL back, okay? Can we just talk, like, Amen. Can, we get, can we talk about this yes. maybe for a second? Like, I think that he may go down as one of the best 
uh, backer, like running back in the NFL. Like he has it all. He has the vision. He's got the speed. He's got the, he's got the strength. I think like him, if he really gets the coming out of the backfield and catching the ball, like he will be an every down back in the NFL and he will be go down as the greatest NFL running back from BYU. That we got more hot takes. Sounds like. Honestly, like. I, I don't I think that's too that. much of a hot take. <laughs> like, I, I think I can get behind that. Like he's he's faster than Jamal was. Um, I mean, like, like, well, let's establish like who's the greatest running back that has gone to the NFL from BYU. Probably Jamal Williams. Maybe. Might be I Jamal know. Williams. I, I'm probably too young to know like Jamal Willis. You know, back in the '90s. But, but that's like, that's in, in our lifetime at least it would probably yeah, be and, Jamal for sure. In our lifetime, like, I don't really remember. So we're anything. comparing him to Jamal. I, I'm thinking Tyler. Over, I mean, Jamal's been really good, but he's been a solid second back, right? He has never really broken the f- first back. Like, he's going to be the best one on the team. Algier can be the best one on the team for an NFL team. I, yeah. I the, the difference for with Algier for me, like, what sets him apart is his vision. Um, oh, absolutely. They're, they're, like Jason and I have been talking about this going back to 2020. We're like, yeah, his holes were huge last year, but like even when they're not, he still finds them. Um, yep. he, he's so good at, you know, cutback lanes, uh, running, running to the play side, realizing it's not there. And then just patiently, like he's not really a one, he's kind of like a one cut and go type back, but every time he makes a cut, it's to the right place. Um, there, there, you know, there's so many times where, like I said, you, you see him running to the play side, um, and then he just finds a way to kind of to get through. Um, and, and even if that's yard. for four or five yards, right? And you're like, man, if he's he getting never nothing. goes down first. He never really. It always takes at least two or three guys to get him down. But like what what we're really seeing this year that I didn't really, I, I didn't like. There were moments where we kind of saw it last year is the acceleration. Oh, um, he's un, unreal. When he hits the hole, he's gone. He he is. We we know that uh, after the pro. Oh, no, Joe, I think you need to go watch film from last year because he hit the holes that freaking was gone. Last <laughs> yeah, year. Light speed. More than that, like... that, was a, that was a state run, man. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing like Millennium Falcon stars going past. <laughs> like, no, he he is. It's the acceleration that that play uh, at the end of the game. I, I think it was what 57 yards where he got he got taken down yeah, at the one. I think so. Um, but like, watch watch the burst. That he, like once he's he outrunning DBs, hole, he's outrunning DBs at 5'11, 230 pounds. Like, dude's a bowling ball who runs a 4'4. Four four. Like, well, it is, it is, I, I, I would not want to meet that man in the hole. And the, well, and the problem is, I, I'm going to nerd out just a little because I'm a track guy. And so, running form for me is always a big thing. One of the things that makes Algier good, and one of the reasons that you know, I, I'll go along with Jason and say that he's going to be a good NFL running back is he's a very efficient runner. Uh, you watch football and there are guys that look like they're moving at 100 miles an hour because they're all just shaky and jerky and everything. But then at the end of the day, they don't get north and south very quickly. The, one of the reasons why he's beating these DBs is because the way he's running is so efficient. It doesn't look like he's working as hard. And so their pursuit angles are not nearly good enough uh if you look at that run for 50 for 57 yards uh those safeties should have had him at the 50 yard line but the problem is is he doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he is so you take a shallower pursuit angle 
and and you're torched like it, it just doesn't matter and i'm gonna say this byu fans maybe we don't you know we probably shouldn't fix it especially because it ain't broken he has a little like leg flip out to the side when he runs it's not straight up and down i can promise you if we fix that he could get even faster <laughs> because that that is wasted energy going out to the right side when his when his heel flips out it it's going to drive you nuts now that i pointed it out and i apologize to everyone that notices it now but he can get faster because that is wasted energy going out to the side um but what he's able to do while still looking efficient like running wise that's going to put less wear on your body as well. Um, he's he, he's deceptively fast. I mean, we all say he runs a four four, but to the DBs in the middle of the game, they don't they don't see that, and and he then he blows by him. Yeah, well, it's because a man that a man that big shouldn't be able to run a four four. Like my favorite my favorite thing about watching BYU over the years, like especially like we saw it a lot with Taysom, like especially against Texas that game in two thousand thirteen. Like we've seen it a little bit this year, and we definitely with Jaron Hall, and we've definitely seen it with Tyler Algier. I love watching safeties learn what deceptively fast means in real time. <laughs> they'll take like a shallow angle and like, I got him, I got him. Oh, shoot, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. Oh, no, 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 he's gone. Like it, it is so like, watch, watch the deep. Yeah. Like Trevor said, just well, watch you should the see uh, even on Algiers uh, run. And well, I think it was the first quarter. He freaking, the DB should have him at like the five yard line, but he took a horrible angle and Algier ran right past him. And, but uh, also, you guys didn't know this. Uh, Trevor Levitt had D1 track speed. So we might get to that in a later podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Levitt knows his stuff when it comes to track. But like, uh, no, it, it's, it's really fun. Like, I remember the BYU days of old. Um, we talked about some of our more influential guys, but like, some of mine, like, as far as running backs go, were like Fui Vakapuna, Manasseh Tonga, Harvey Unga, more like big bruisers. But I remember growing up and just thinking, like, man, I just wish BYU had a home run threat. Like I'd always watch, um, you know, other running backs across the country, like Reggie Bush, like growing up in Southern California was a big one where it's like, when he got the ball, you felt like he could run for a 70 yard touchdown every time he got the ball. And, but BYU never really had that. They do now where like Tyler Algier is a home run back. He may not look like it, um, you know, because he's 5'11", 230 pounds. But the dude really does – like one of the 40s he ran at the comp, at the pro day this year was 4.39. Like, dude can fly. Um, but it's, it's just so – I love watching it's, him get in the open field. So, so BYU fans everywhere, enjoy Tyler Algier while he's here. Yeah. I, if he stays – Enjoy. Another, if, if he stays another year because we don't – like. There, there was an saying. NFL scout. There's an NFL scout at the game. Uh, BYU Sports Nation reported it that there was a scout at the game who legit said like he's a third or fourth round back. He's uh, like a probably a top NFL. five running back. Which for which for the NFL like running backs don't go in the first and second round anymore like they used to. No. So like third or fourth round that is a that is shows like you are an every down NFL starting back. Well, look at look at the Jets. Yeah, look at the Jets' Michael Carter. Like he he was taken in the fourth round, and and he is their starting guy. I mean, it's you know you want to get a quarter. They're going to get a quarterback in the first round. You're going to get like the generational athletes, like the Kyle Pitts and the you know um, old linemen or yeah, yeah the Penny Sewells. Um, but like other than that, like Joe said, like you're not going to get those running backs in those early rounds. And so like where Tyler Algier is set to go, he could very well start. Uh, really anywhere that that wants him essentially 
yeah, I'll be surprised if he stays another year, honestly. Me yeah. personally. If, if he does, he could be a top five. Like, just in terms of yards, he'd be a top five running back in BYU history. Um, I, I don't know if he'd like – I don't know if he'd catch Jamal necessarily, but he'd kind of be trending that way. I think – He'd have a good shot. Case, if he averages, like, 100 yards a game, like, for the rest I, of the year, he would be around, what, 3,000, 3,100 maybe? And then he'd have Jamal's just under four thousand, I think. Yeah, he's like thirty nine hundred. Yeah, thirty eight. So, and then you know, next year play thirteen games. He's got average eighty five, ninety yards. But I mean, he's got to keep up production this year and and things. But we'll see. I mean, as things are trending now, he's he's trending for fifteen hundred yards rushing. Uh, and sorry, quick math here. What is he at? Uh, Seven touchdowns. Seven. Yeah, he's he's on pace for fifteen hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, dude, dudes, dudes a superstar. And the best part about it, like BYU's were like the schedule ahead. Some of the worst rushing defenses BYU has left to play uh, are still on the schedule. So, like Boise State's one of those teams where they're they're like a hundred and eighth in rush defense. So, like, I mean. Ugh, man's gonna, gonna the man is going to eat um but like one of the things like one of the criticisms of Algier that I heard coming into the year what is it like it was all the offensive line um but I that's not really the like last year that might have been the case but this year it's not like BYU's rush defense grades are consistently in like like on PFF the the BYU's rush or rush uh sorry rush blocking grades they are consistently in like the 60s like the 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 run blocking really hasn't been there like it was last year. And he's still top 10 in rushing. Um, and you kind of look at like the other, the other runners that are behind him, like Lupini Katoa. And uh, like, these are all guys like Lupini is really only averaging like maybe four yards of carry and Tyler's running like averaging six. So that just goes to show um, like Tyler is a, is a legit back in his own right. It's not just and I'll, like, he would defer the credit to his own line and we'll get to that later. But like, he's a legit, legit running back um, in college football. And BYU was very blessed to have him. I have no idea how he didn't have any offers coming out of high school. It just, he was a linebacker. Yeah. It boggles my mind. Like dude, dude led, dude led BYU in tackles uh, against Boise state uh, in 2019. And I don't, I don't know very many people who are D1 backers in. Hey man, he just saw Baylor Romney play quarterback and he said, I need to be getting the ball from this guy. Right. So, anyways, uh, let's let's go back to the recap. Uh, sorry for that tangent that I took you guys on about <laughs> Tyler Algier. I loved it. No, man, we loved totally it. worth it. Um, but no, let's let's. Uh, Trevor, what, what were some of your your thoughts about the game on uh, on Friday? Yeah, no. To uh, to kind of parrot some of what you said, uh, the offense was moving uh, really well. Um, it is amazing uh, what Baylor Romney is able to do as a backup quarterback. Um, we've, I mean, we've said this a million times, but whether he's in or whether Jaron's in, like my comfort levels are the same. Uh, like, and I case in point, I have so much faith in Conover, but when Conover came in, I was like, oh, like this is what this usually feels like when the backup comes in and you're like what you know is he going to be any good is he going to be able to to move the offense and for the for the first little bit obviously with conover 
the answer to that was no. Uh, I don't know if that was all necessarily his fault. The offensive line had some false starts. Conservative play calling as And well, some right? co- very, very conservative play calling. I, I felt like we should let Conover rip it just a little bit more. Um, I know we all kind of expressed that in our, our group chat during the game anyway. Um, but, like, considering what we allowed him to do, I felt like Conover did a good job. Uh, I mean, he was 5 for 9. For 45 yards, uh, one of those incompletions was straight up just a drop from Neil Pau. So he really should have been six of nine, uh, which for a freshman in his first game in a rivalry game in front of an away crowd who frankly hates you more than is necessary up there at Utah State. Like, I thought he played well. Yeah, no, I... He he was better than most people really gave him credit for. I think he really only, from what I saw, he really only missed one throw. Um, it was the the it was a corner route. It was actually his first pass to uh to Gunner. Um, it was a you know deep corner that um, I'm not really sure where he was looking on that. It looked like he was you know he threw it and it was like five or six yards too close to the sideline. Um, but like the first throw, whatever. But like a lot of his other, a lot of his other incompletions were, you know, he had that drop to, to Nopau. Um, there was another corner route that the ball was a little high, but Gunner got two hands on it. I, I didn't really get a good look at the play to, to see, if, you know, that would if, that have been was, a tough catch. Like, if that was, it would have been a spectacular catch, but like if that was Gunner if, or if that was uh, Jacob. I think Conover like, overthrew him from my perspective. Yeah. But I, I think like Trevor was kind of mentioning this in, in the chat that, uh, give him some, give him some more reps in practice. Like typically, typically how practice reps go is it 70, 20, 10, um, you know, the starter gets 70% of the reps, backup gets 20% of the reps and Jacob gets 10% of the reps. So like he really hasn't run with uh, the ones really at all this year. So I, we're, we're a it'd little be, spoiled. It'd be interesting to know, right? Cause like, is Jaron practicing at all? Like Conover could be getting, you know, 40% of the reps potentially. He, yeah. He could have been getting 70% of the reps with how Baylor's head's doing, but I, I will yeah, say like, week, at least. yeah. And I will say with the, the way, um, you know, the way that things are looking, you know, we really might have Conover start uh, Saturday on ABC against Boise state. Um, but the thing that makes me excited, at least, was um, it's it like resulted in like two yards. But go back and watch the play where Conover gets drilled, um, and he throws the little like sideline pass to Lopini. That ball, he's he is moving the complete opposite direction, and that ball had some juice on it. Like he he has an arm, and he I even looked too. He like th- yes. <laughs> Like the, like the accuracy was there. He's getting hit, and that ball is still coming out at 100 miles an hour. Um, I think with more reps, I'll stand by what I said uh, when we were talking about it. I think if he gets more reps, he's just going to naturally look better. For sure. And out of fall camp, like Gunnar Romney said that Jacob has the best arm talent of any of them. Um, like he, he was giving like positives on, on all the quarterback. And like how ridiculous is that? Like we've seen the arm talent with Jaron and Baylor. Uh, and you know, Gunner, high school teammate, like he knows Jacob better than anybody. Like, Jacob has the talent to be every bit as good as what we've seen, but like we're spoiled at BYU because the last time we saw a third string quarterback come in, it was Baylor Romney. Um, and <laughs> he, looked, he looked phenomenal. Hey, that could be Conover on Saturday, same team, same atmosphere for sure. But it's like 
you got it. Like expectations need to be on the floor for Jacob Conover because, like, this is his first. This is his four first star, game bro, in three four stars. Years. Four stars. Yeah, like, we know how four stars are good, right? We should just go up north, right? Get a four star. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give him some slack. We actually recruited um, the kid, right? But yeah, no, but like the, the talent is there. It's just, I mean, he's a he's a freshman. Like, what do you want? What else do you want me to say? He hasn't played. In I want three him years. to win games. That's it. Um, and he was just kind of <laughs> yeah, he was just kind of thrown into the fire. I think it's like if we do see Conover this week, it's gonna be better i think you know preliminary like what trevor kind of alluded to preliminary reports is that we're going to see jacob um you know concussion protocol is uh here i will give you me. the update on the concussion protocol from the athletic trainer wife she says yeah. seven day return to play so it's at friday. least a week friday right and then depends on symptoms so like it friday is the minimum right it's good that he has an extra day he could very well come back but but he doesn't even get to hard. He won't even be able. He wouldn't be able to practice, though, right? I don't know what return to play exactly means. I know that that's like playing a game. I don't know what the practice situation is specifically, but that's I think interesting. You can, you can practice in some sort of capacity. I would assume. I just don't think like full out and things right. like that. It, and especially with quarterbacks who are non-contact by nature yeah, in practice like, anyway. It, like it wouldn't surprise me, but like we know, we know from Kalani, he is going to put you know the player's health health first. Um, and he said before, like if you can't practice, when like if you can't practice all week, you're not going to play. And I think that's smart, especially with the quarterback, where if he's not getting the reps in, like he's not working on the game plan. For someone who's that involved in the offense, like that, that makes me a little nervous. If you're going to throw a guy out there who hasn't practiced, especially one who's just coming off a concussion you know, six days earlier. Agreed. So see what Jaron's status is as well. Yeah. The, the, the concern really is Jaron. Um, I, I think like from what I was told, he's probably closer to 80% than a hundred percent. What what I, the, the ribs, like he's, the thing is he's played through the rib injury before. So that like, which is, you know, warrior dude, but like <laughs> that, what really worries me is apparently there's been an injury to his throwing shoulder. Um, that's that's what gives me a little bit more concern than than the ribs. So where are you hearing this rumors? I, I have <laughs> nope. my sources. Hashtag sources. Don't be telling the Boise State fans that this, Jaren hurt. This one actually came from Greg Rubel after the game. Uh, oh, okay. and, and Jay Cash. So like there's there are some concerns with Jaren where I, I don't know if we're gonna be able to see him. So uh, buckle your seatbelts for, uh, for, for Jacob Conover, but the good, the best news about Jacob Conover is he looks great handing the ball off to Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so, His uh, form is impeccable. Like, it's amazing. So, and, and again, I think like, Boise state's rushing defense is, you know, top 10 in the country. Abysmal, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's bad. It's like legit. It's oh, sorry. So 10 worst in the country. Sorry. I missed yeah so as far as like this week goes i'm not super nervous about the offense again coming into this but we'll like yeah. I digress. We'll, we'll, we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there next time <laughs> we'll, it's a we'll different podcast into, into but um you know going back to this game um one thing i really wanted to, to bring up was the defense um i you guys you guys know me you know i will go to war for my boy elisa tuiaki yes sir that i will defend that man tooth and nail to the death yes sir was you know it was two I, weeks ago not like proof enough i i and you know what i was going to war for him uh you know before the game like 
I, there are not many things that bug me in this world. Jason can attest, he knows me better than anybody. There's not really that many things that like, that I guess annoy me to the point where like I get visibly angry. Pessimism is one of like unwarranted pessimism for some reason. It's just one of those things where there have been some BYU fans who are just so, like, it's almost like they're rooting against the, like they want the defense to fail so that they can be proven right. That Elisa Tuyaki is a bad defensive coordinator and he's just not like, yeah, I get it. BYU gives up yards uh, in, 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 in times that you feel are inopportune, but like, I'm just going to read down the defensive numbers. Uh, Hold up. Can I, can I just put in one plug? Just, uh, just all for all of you listeners, just know that if you have ever said anything bad about Tuyaki, you are no longer on the hype train (laughs) because you don't, you don't get, you you must become a podcast sponsor. monetary value and we may forgive you possibly but that is you know we have a we have a price we have a price those that have been here all along enjoy the ride we love you keep coming with but like so 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 like guys listen what were what were some of the criticisms of elisa tuyaki coming off of usf time of possession time of possession byu led in time of possession uh 30, 31, 31 and a half minutes to 28 and a half minutes. Next. What was, what was the other, what was, what's the yards, total yards, yards, BYU, let, get, USU is one of the, it was a top 10 offense coming into this week, 550 yards of offense. We know coming from last year where BYU is averaging 550 yards of offense. Like we know that like, yes, schedule, we get it. Like we know better than anyone, what a good offense looks like and USU is a pretty darn good offense. They can move the football. BYU held them to 345 yards of offense. That's four yards wow. a play. That is just bonkers how like how good that is to give up four yards of play to an offense that averages uh you know 550 yards of offense. Next thing, like rushing Turn. yards. Like yep, rushing yards. It it drives BYU fans crazy that BYU just gives up like, you know, four or five yards a clip. BYU gave up 22, what, 30, 31 yards, 31 yards of rushing on 35 attempts. That is 0.9 yards per carry. That is stupid. It is just ridiculous (laughs) how good that is for, for an offense that rushes the ball over for over 220 yards. That's three down linemen, three down linemen, three down linemen. Like it, it is, so Shout out and, to the D line and people and people are still complaining. You give up 20 points, 300 yards. Like he did okay, he did literally everything you asked him to do after USF. He did I, we went line by line. He did everything you asked him to do, and we are still complaining about the defense. Like <laughs> that is that is an incredible performance uh from the defense. Like I get it. Like third downs was one of those things where everyone's just like oh my gosh, uh, like BYU just is terrible on third downs. They were still 11 for 21. I, it's awesome. I get, I get there's, there's, there's cause for concern here where it, it is frustrating that BYU is – and it, it's not just like BYU isn't getting beat over the top on these third down plays. It's like third and no. four and the other – like the opponent gets five or third and 11 and they get 12. Like it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating because it's always so close, but <laughs> – for me, at least for me, it's not really 
that much of a concern because BYU is able to tighten up when they well, need to. One of the one of the things that we're not talking about is uh, the turnovers. Like BYU is forcing turnovers yes. at a great clip this year that we haven't seen in years past. Eleven as forced much turnovers and... so far. Yeah, and, and it's and it's balanced turnovers. Like it's not just like he's baiting him in interceptions. Like no, BYU's like, forced. Well, we popped uh, the ball out like four times against Utah State. Couldn't jump on any of them. Oh, but like... yeah, and it's the the forced fumbles have been incredible. Like it's it's five recovered fumbles, but you know way more than that. Like oh yeah, we put way more than that on the ground. It's it's like almost a teaser, but like uh, <laughs> you know this like obviously. We know Toyaki's good at this because he was with Tyler Algier in 2019. We all know <laughs> what Tyler can, Algier can do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, it, the, the turnovers, what makes this defense special, and we've seen this the last couple of years, is the turnovers. BYU is so good um, at, at like, like we said, forcing turnovers, getting uh, – that, that's how they get off the field. They force what, – what basically what they say is we're going to let you make this mistake. We're not going to let you get behind us. We're going to let your quarterback sit back and make a decision. And we're going to go with the analytics that show that you're not going to make a perfect throw every time. Um, and it's going to result in a big play for us. And that's pretty much what happened where they let Bonner uh, throw, but like Bonner was, we know Bonner was inefficient and he was going to make a mistake at some point, And he did. Well, and he, and he only had like a barely above a 50% completion percentage. So, um, and I want to give, you know, we were talking about the defense. I, we need to give a special shout out to the secondary um, who, you know, Tompkins for Utah State was as good as advertised. Uh, we actually held him. He's, he's the third best receiver BYU is going to play this year. And that includes like USC. Like Drake London. Drake uh, London. <laughs> yeah. Like Drake London. Drake London's number one. Khalil Shakir is number two. But like Devin Tompkins is a baller. He would start pretty much anywhere he wanted to. Yeah, and I think he's, he's average. So good. Yeah, I think he's averaging. He was averaging up to this point like almost 150 yards a game of of uh, yeah. receiving yards, and that is stupid. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if if held is the right word, but we we did slow him down to about like 110. Um, but 100, 100, sorry, 125. 120. Okay, off, but... <laughs> excuse me. Um, but regardless, I think the thing uh, that I noticed in this game was like i said um it was a little validating but like i said utah state's offense was just four verticals almost every other play and it just felt like logan bonner would put the ball up and we would have guys except for that one touchdown where uh i think jacob robinson kind of slipped um there were guys there uh and, and this was a team the the team speed was kind of what was advertised. As far as the receivers go, they had they had speed. I mean, Tompkins was quick, um, but they always just felt like they were there to make plays. Malik Moore with an incredibly acrobatic interception to start the game. Um, just huge plays from the secondary. Uh, I'll talk about one a little bit later on in the podcast, but just had to let that secondary know that you guys have made the field a no-fly zone for the most part this season. And Malik Moore, Malik Moore has been way better than I thought he would be. I mean, dude, he has been Amazing. such he has been such a ball hawk this year. Um, I I was a little nervous about the safety position coming into the year, but like Malik has been better than advertised. So, uh, you know, super happy for him. But I, one thing, like the defense, obviously isn't beyond reproach. Like I, I've talked up the defense a lot. 
Um, and the third down conversions, especially when it's third and long, are a problem. Um, what was it? Uh, I think, sorry, Utah State had 23 first downs and 21 third downs. So, like, the defense, like, like I said, they look like the 85 Bears on first and second down, um, where they're giving up, like, against Utah State, they were giving up nothing. We saw how many third and longs it was. Um, I, I didn't, like, sit down and actually count out the, the you know, how many third and longs there were, but it was a lot. <laughs> you know, quality analysis here on the podcast. But... Uh, <laughs> but BYU was getting them to third down. The issue was, you know, what do you do on third down? And the, the most common complaint I saw was like, BYU needs to bring more pressure. And they were like, go back and watch the film. They were bringing, they were typically bringing five uh, on, on third down to try and get the ball out of Bonner's hand. The thing was Bonner just made a play. The reason BYU is able to, or USU was able to convert so many third and longs is because Bonner was able to escape from the pocket um, and if you're going to run zone um, and the quarterback's going to extend the play, someone's going to get open. It's just kind of how it works. But like the, the problem was when BYU got burned, it was just because they didn't have the athletes. Like when Devin Tompkins had that wide open touchdown, it was, he just beat George Udo one-on-one. That, was a like great that wasn't, that, that wasn't a scheme problem. That was just, their guy was better than our guy on that particular play. Yep. So it, it's, it's not. Like the, the, it's easy to point at the defensive coordinator and say like, no, like this is all scheme problems. But in reality, it's just an athletic, like it's just an, and to some extent, it's an athlete problem. Um, it is really hard. I, I, I dare any of you to go and try and guard Devin Tompkins in space. It's, it's impossible. He's too shifty. He's too quick. Like BYU has done a great job of recruiting cornerbacks who are fast. It's like the, the, the North to South speed is great. But it's it's just hard to to guard a shifty wide receiver. So uh, the the problem with BYU giving up plays is they just couldn't hold up long enough on the back end, um, which which is a problem. But and I'm not completely sure how to fix that. If I did, I'd probably be coaching football instead of talking to you guys <laughs> on a podcast. But the the real problem the real problem that I saw is BYU's got to get home on the rush. There were exactly Tyler, the the first third down of the game. Tyler Batty had uh bonner in his hands and just let him get away um so many moments where byu is able to get pushed they just couldn't finish the job and that's what i want to see from byu moving forward like if you want to get up off the field the front has to get has to get to the quarterback they have to contain the quarterback and keep from keep him from getting outside the pocket because if you get outside the pocket it doesn't matter who you're playing against at some point someone's going to get open yeah, it's I mean perfectly described. I mean the 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 secondary and then the the front seven. It really is like a you know a symbiotic relationship. Like I'll scratch. <laughs> we got we got sports going on. Let's go. Um, but it really is a symbiotic relationship uh, between the two. Like I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And when the front seven can't get home, you know when the offense knows where they're going and the defense has to then based off of film and based off of concepts essentially guess where the the offense is going like if you do that for long enough the offense is going to have the advantage and so as, as joe said i mean i again i don't want to act like the defense is perfect you know there were i don't i don't know how you let a partially hampered um logan bonner get a first down on third and ten that was so um, frustrating. But but like things like that are gonna happen. You you have to give credit to the offense for making plays. I mean, that was a heck of a play from 
from Logan, and, and may he heal up quickly, obviously, because later in the game he hyperextended his knee, as was reported. But, you know, at some point we have to just realize that the defense is doing the best that they can. But, like, the best that they can is forcing turnovers and holding a very good offense to almost 200 yards less than what they've averaged during the entire season. So, yes, like, the offense is going to convert third downs at times, and it's going to be frustrating. But at the end of the day, again, like I've said this before, like, how many points are we giving up? And, like, when are those plays being made? Um, and I, and I, I don't know. I think, I think Tuyaki, each week the defense gets better. Um, and I just expect them to make adjustments this week against Boise. Yeah, I, we, we've said this before, and this will kind of be my closing thought on the defense. We've said this every week on the podcast that the name of the game is scoring points. Um, I've, I've seen way too many people make the argument as to why like BYU's defense isn't very good with yards and time of possession. But the thing is, is like all those like ancillary stats of, you know, yards per attempt, yards per play, total defense, uh, time of possession, all of those things. All that is, is just an explanation for points per game. That's really all it is. Um, so, and the thing is like, if BYU is only giving up, you know, 17 to 20 points a game, who cares what the other stats are? I'm going to be like, I'm going to be honest. honest hey, as long you. as we're scoring more than that. Right. Yeah. And, and if you, if you hold your opponent to 20 or fewer points, that is a recipe for victory every single time. Like BYU's offense is good enough to put up 27 points. Like against no matter caliber of defense that we've seen, BYU was good enough to put up 27 points. So if you can keep your opponent to 20, who cares how many yards they gain? Cause BYU is still going to win the game by 10 points. So it's, it's and look at look at like how good Arizona State's offense has been. BYU held that offense to 17 points. Arizona State has scored 38 points in every single game they played except BYU. Yeah, they dropped uh, 42 on UCLA. Utah is averaging 30 points per game except for BYU. They had 17. Um, Utah State is averaging you know closer to like you know, in the, in the thirties per game and 20 against BYU. So it, this defense is really, really good. And we are very, very fortunate and they do what is necessary to win games. So I will always, always, always be supportive of a defense that, uh, that does its job and its job is to keep people out of the end zone. So, uh, with that long winded rant, but, uh, no, I very, very encouraged, um, by the game, especially with the injuries that BYU has racked up. The, the ceiling on this BYU team looks incredibly high when they're healthy. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that looks like moving forward. We'll probably have more uh, injury information for you on the, on the next podcast. But, um, uh, you know, last part of the recap is as we, we close up here, let's uh, review some of our hot takes because uh, we believe in accountability here on the, the BYU Hype Train podcast. <laughs> um, I did great on mine. How did you guys do on yours? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Um... I might need to stop putting quarterbacks in as my hot take um, because when I said Conover was going to score a touchdown against USF, we struggled and he never saw the field. And then I said Baylor was going to throw four touchdowns. Uh, he was on pace and then got knocked out with a concussion. Um, so neither of those have taken place uh, to the quarter to you quarterbacks, Baylor, Conover. I am sorry. And just put that on my shoulders and move forward. Uh, you guys will not be in my hot take this week. I can promise you that. Um, but yeah, just uh, 
regardless, I mean, Baylor looked great. Uh, he, like I said, he was on pace, but uh, unfortunately, due to injury, was not able to see the second half uh, to fruition. All right, I wasn't here for the hot takes, but what was Hunter's hot take? I will be accountable for his. Does anybody remember? Uh, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to remember. This was sorry. a 100-yard receiver, I think, right? Somebody was going to go over 100. Oh, yeah, he said the, the Puka. He said Puka would have 100 yards and two touchdowns. That was looking good there for a second. It was looking good. Um, my hot take was uh, was BYU – this honestly, I thought mine was the boldest hot take of the week because <laughs> BYU had had really not shown that they could keep an opponent like an opponent as an offense as good as Utah State's under 400 yards, uh, and USC was averaging 550 as we've said before. Uh, but my hot take was BYU would hold Utah State under 375 yards of offense and force two turnovers. And what happened? 340 yards of offense and two turnovers. So. Uh, I am Joe Stradamus. I am your uh, <laughs> resident uh, college football predictor. I know all. Just um, but no, I the, the defense was as good as I thought they they would be, and I think that's going to continue, um, especially you know going going into the future with Boise State, Virginia, Baylor. All are good offenses that have shown flashes, but they're not as good as I thought they were a couple weeks ago. So I. I I really like BYU. If BYU can replicate their performance on defense, and for the most part, they came out healthy. If BYU can replicate their performance on defense uh, this last week, I think BYU is going to be – they honestly could be undefeated going into the USC game, which is a really scary thought. So, um, I think that we'll Baylor game defense. is going to be the one that could, yeah. could get them. Yeah. I, that, it's, I'm not too worried about Virginia as much as Baylor, but – one, one game at a time. We'll 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 get there uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, one 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 thing we kind of wanted to to start doing as well is to talk about an underrated uh, play from the game. Um, so we'll kind of close with this, uh, Trevor. What was your underrated play? Yeah. So I mentioned the secondary earlier, um, and one that stood out to me, and you know, part of it was the kind of the story of the game. Um, and just when it took place, but but Caleb Hayes made an absolute incredible pass breakup uh, against Tompkins, uh, negated what would have been like a 35, 40 yard play, um, especially when momentum really was just trying to shift over to Utah State at the time. Um, for him to be able to, you know, and admittedly, like we were talking about, Tompkins made a great uh, play on the route. He created space. Um, but Caleb Hayes was able to uh, close in and couldn't find the ball in time because of him closing in, but he just jammed his arm uh, right into where uh, the ball would have landed. And as soon as, as soon as Tompkins caught the ball and his arm at the same time, he just ripped that ball out and, and made a huge play. Uh, really difficult, honestly, really difficult play to make. Um, Caleb, if you, if you listen to this podcast, man, that was an incredible play. A lot of us, well, really all of us are grateful that you made that play. Um, and that's my underrated play of the game. He played the, he played a pretty dang good game, too. I underrated coming in. I mean, he wasn't a starter in camp, but I'll go I'll go next with um with kind of my underrated play. So a lot of you may have seen a video 
roaming around on Twitter, which is Puka Nakua on uh, Tyler Algier's big play at the end of the game. Uh, right as I saw that play, Puka just drops his the receiver. And I was like, oh, my goodness. He uh, he basically broke Tyler open on that play. And then he even went down and, and got a piece of two other DBs trying to chase Tyler down. And I think that was, for me, one of the most underrated plays in the game was at such a critical time as well um, that Puka was able to go make those blocks and, and kind of free up Tyler in that situation and kept momentum on BYU's side. And just a shout out to all the receivers blocking downfield. You don't get any credit, but you uh, BYU does an amazing job with that. And they did a really good job with it last year as well. And that's kind of continuing this year. And you can see that when our backs and other receivers are, are making big plays downfield, they're getting even more yardage because the other receivers are helping them out. For sure. There, there's a play, there was a play in like the Canadian football league a few years back where like this DB was taunting the wide receiver and like giving him the like the fingers like come over yes. here. Uh, and then the you see on the snap the the DB kind of gets on his heels a little bit as the receiver just bull rushes him and then just literally throws him out of the screen. That's what the Puka Nakua block reminded me of. Buried my man. Just literally, like it wasn't even like he engaged. He just ran him over. It was a yeah. clean play, but like incredible block by Puka. Um, my, my underrated play is kind of along the same th- thread. It was every big play that uh, that Tyler Algier broke. Watch the offensive line. They are so smart. Incredible. Um, the, 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 what I didn't really realize coming into this year about the offensive line, it's not necessarily about like holding your man on a block. It's about steering your man in a certain direction to open up. A Leverage. Hole leverage so watch watch the the 67 yard run from tyler algier watch how huge that hole is and it's all because um i think it was connor pay the center steers his man um he, he turns his man to the right and pushes him back about three or four yards um then clark barrington uh sits there was gonna help pay and then almost it looked like he almost got surprised with how much pay was dominating on that play so he said okay, I'll go get the next guy. And then he turns his guy about 90 degrees to the right as well, pushes him back three yards. And then, um, oh gosh, uh, Blake Freeland on the outside, uh, you know, pushes his guy to the left about five or six yards. And you literally could have driven a Boise State style truck through that <laughs> hole. Uh, and, and then you obviously had the blocking on the back end, but it was that every single time. Uh, Tyler Algier broke a big play. It was because the the offensive line was able to just pretty much steer the defensive linemen however they wanted. Um, so huge underrated factor of, of this season. BYU is in the top 10 right now because their trench play has been so good. Um, you know, BYU is a, a top five uh, offensive line in terms of pass protection. And this year, they in this week, they got the run protection figured out. So hopefully we'll see, we'll see more of that. Um, kind of in the coming weeks but uh last thing last thing we wanted to talk about was the fans how good did it feel to just watch the meltdown of utah state <laughs> I, I i'm not a big believer in sh- what is it, uh, shodan fraud the, the wishing <laughs> like finding joy in the the detriment of others i'm not that guy Except for Utah State. <laughs> <laughs> we, but, we thought that the Utah fans were insufferable. The Utah State fans really are insufferable. Like, we can, I like, could not deal with them because they are, when it, they're when it comes just to, so over the top. When it comes to Utah fans, like, I, 
I've, I've said at least this they before. have like some substantial ground to be backed on right yeah I, I've, I've said this before but like BYU and Utah Twitter is pretty much just middle-aged men uh arguing about who's more obsessed with who and Utah State Twitter is five people wishing that someone was obsessed with them like there, there was this really funny thing going around where it's like Utah and BYU are fighting each other and you this Utah State guy's kind of sitting in the corner it's like I want a rival. I'm going to go pick one of them. And they just like kick BYU and the BYU guys like, what the heck? Like, what was that for? And he goes, oh, BYU, you suck. Like you're horrible. <laughs> and it was like, and thus a rivalry was born. <laughs> it, that I just, I've never seen so much blood. Like I, I have friends who are Utah state fans and they all kind of feel the same way about BYU where it's just total unfiltered, uh, irrational, hatred for like who we are as people like every time someone would complain about byu it was always like oh you byu people are so holier than thou like you uh you you say you see all these problems in the world and like you see no problems with yourself like that's not true we see problems with ourselves like i'll be the first one to tell you when byu fans were throwing trash at the officials in 2013 that was literal trash behavior um i I know like the the, memphis brawl except the the unacceptable behavior unacceptable behavior like all of these things are unacceptable but like oh my gosh it is just literally anything is fair game to utah state fans sometimes because it's like in their minds byu fans deserve it but um <laughs> yeah i mean throw the throw the boise state groin punch gif in there as well like like it's not that's not cool like I, i'm not gonna sit there and watch that gif and be like yeah he should have done that but you know it's not it's not a part of the game. And speaking of not a part of the game, um, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think I just got over this, but um, Lorenzo Fawatea had mentioned that his his wife um, had been involved in, in some of the insults that Utah State fans had thrown his way. And my only question is why? Like, I, I had a fan try to tell me that it's all part of sports, like that it's okay when it's sports and how hey, don't, don't worry. You can check your religion at the door. Like, but, but like find me another time in society where saying something rude about somebody's mom or somebody's wife is appropriate. There isn't any like spoiler. There is none. And now tell me what is the, like, what is different with sports that makes it okay? Spoiler, there's nothing like I, and yet, you know, and I'm not going to say all fans, you know, I have plenty of friends on Twitter that are Utah state fans that are normal. Um, but it's, it's the crazy ones that I just sit there and I go, why, you know, why (laughs) like be passionate, but don't, don't take it too far, man. Like, and that's too far. So like, I I'm going to, I'm going to read a couple of things here from like, to, to add a little bit of context, because some of you probably didn't see this, but so after the game, um, BYU or the Utah state students and BYU players were kind of getting into a little bit. Um, Utah state fans were berating players the entire time um, saying things about mothers by name, saying things about wives by name, um, which 
And so after the game when BYU won, they BYU did something inappropriate. They they started splashing water kind of on the fans. Like every after every win, BYU kind of like throws the water bottles up in the air and starts splashing. But this time they directed it at the fans, which was which was wrong. We'll we'll admit that. But to retaliate, Utah State fans started throwing bottles and trash at the players, which personally I don't see how those two equate in in magnitude, but whatever. Um, but like uh, Jeff Hansen uh, of Give Me Hill Bergen podcast, great podcast. Uh, like did a write-up of some of the things that he heard at the game. And I just kind of want, want to read some of them to you. So when George Udo went down after the first half, like Utah State had literally just scored a touchdown, but uh, Udo went down. Um, they started shouting, like someone started shouting, typical BYU player wasting time installing, get up expletive. We know you're faking it. Um, on that same injury, you could hear the fans in the background starting the Utah State, Utah State cheer while a player was injured on the ground. Like I just... It's just ridiculous. Um, uh, stuff like um, when when there was like all that confusion with subs going in and out of the game, um, Utah State fans started saying things like, you can't call a timeout after the snap of the ball, moron. But of course, BYU gets away with it. Typical Cougar, you can't make up rules and sub whenever you want, moron. Uh, like things shouted at like Jeff Hansen specifically. Um, he, he offered to take a picture of a Utah State fan uh, who was taking a selfie. Um, and the so Jeff was like, yeah, can I, can I help? And the Utah State fan was like, I'm not letting a BYU fan, I'm not letting a BYU fan help me. Just like, and it was completely serious. Like just weird hatred that, that is utterly, utterly, utterly personal. Like, I, I like the, the things that were said to me kind of after the game on, on social media, um, I just, it doesn't make sense how you're, you, you're, you hold so much animosity to what you think a person is like tribalism is a heck of a drug, man. Um, but like, I don't know, moving forward it, I, at the, at the risk of sounding like a Utah fan, cause they've been saying this about BYU for years. I don't know if playing Utah state is worth it, at least in Logan. Um, cause this kind of stuff happens every single year. Like this year, Utah state, for some reason decided to put the students right behind the bench and the bench is like the students are literally right on top of the bench. It's like there's 15 feet from the sideline to the, to the wall. And so you can hear everything. Um, you know, players are saying like, yeah, like throughout the game, we're hearing every cuss word in the book, personal insults, people flipping us the bird. Fluent Tongan um, insults, like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It's, and, and hopefully we can get someone on the pocket, like a player on the podcast on Thursday and we can kind of talk about some of the, cause like the players seem to love it. Like, they, they love playing in those kind of atmospheres, but I don't know, man. It just, it just I think like the biggest thing was why, why you put the student sections behind the bench. Like, I think that, that you you're, know you're literally, you're inviting, you know, literal, literal trash hostility. Behavior. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think like some dimension, like we've talked a lot, there are, I think that like each of us need to like think where we're at, like, you know, with our rivalry talk and things like that and know that there is a line True. to not cross it. And like, and know that like, if you don't know them personally, like give them the benefit of the doubt as well. Um, rather than retaliate, be like, what the heck are you thinking? Like on, on Twitter or any social media, like they meant like the most harm with whatever they're saying. Like usually people are, are trying to be funny and, and if you're going to give it out and dish it out, like be able to take it as well. Uh, don't be sure. playing victim after you, uh, after somebody just roasts you after you're trying to roast them, uh, be able to take it and don't be able to, 
and know that like if you get to know anybody personally like we're probably gonna like them that's what's hard right when you never see them you never know them you you like you have this persona of what they are get to know them i know that a lot of people on twitter these days are getting to know people in real in real life you know rivals and the consensus is good like people like each other once they finally meet and it and it becomes way funner that way as well um you feel better after you're trash talking a friend more than you're trash talking some random dude and cussing them out and yell, tell him whatever. It's a lot funner with friends and we can make friends of rivals. That's okay. But just know that yeah. like, don't, don't check who you are at the door, like to go on social media or anything like that. Like be who you are at all times as well. And, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this. Like you guys, you guys all know. Me. I think all of us are like, right. I, like, all yeah, we all, yeah, good. totally. I love trash talk. I, I love, uh, I, it's always been that way. Like back, you know, back in when I was playing AAU basketball in like middle school and high school, like I just love trash talking. I, for, I, I was always, I was voted the best roaster on my football team, uh, my senior year of high school. Like I, I love it. There's just something, I don't know why I, I love banter and kind of getting in people's heads back and forth. Uh, and I love it. I love it when it goes both ways. I, I, I really enjoy that aspect of sports and rivalry, but I love it only when it's good natured. Um, like I'm, I'm going to kind of to, to preach to the BYU fans specifically. Like I know that we were kind of being hard on Utah state fans, but like, this is, this is a moment where like seeing that kind of ugly behavior on both sides, like we all have to kind of take a look at our own personal fandom and ask like, is sports really worth uh, jeopardizing relationships with, like potential relationships with other people. If you go in, like if you meet someone and you have a judgment about them as a person based on the color of shirt that they're wearing, you are, we're wrong. Like we're just wrong. If, if we go in and we see someone wearing a Utah polo and we think that we, we, we know what that person is about on a personal level, we're just wrong. Um, same, you know, same thing with Utah state, like stereotypes are really ridiculous and sports on like stereotypes based on sports are even worse because like we're all demographically the same like utah fans <laughs> utah state fans BYU fans we're all the same people like we like most of us belong to the same church like we we work at the same jobs like we're all pretty much the same the only difference is where we went to school and like we're getting so worked up about a game played by teenagers like who cares so i don't know just uh, I don't, I don't mean to like go on too long of a rant about this, but I just hope that, you know, all of us have fun fans, with it, right? Like have fun with it. And if, if there was any potential for fan, like for, for rivalries to be like what a rivalry should be with the like friendly banter and the wittiness and the clever trash talk, like if there's any fan bases that are built for that to like, have it be so it's the Utah state, Utah and BYU rivalries. Like we're all intelligent enough people to be able to be clever with what we say and not so be we personal. all we all need to be a little bit more like sporty yes sporty sporty mcsports uh devin i don't know your last name because we've never actually met but like <laughs> that's like he he embodies the what, perfect, rivalry, yeah. what the rivalry should be so like i to, to anyone listening to this podcast who like i personally offended i apologize um like with with anything that like i i try and keep things lighthearted and I like, try not to, to be the kind of rivalry fan that just like purposely makes people mad because of sports. Um, and I think I do tell that line too often. So I apologize. Um, but hopefully hey, like, reach out, reach out DMS as well. Like 
um, yeah. if you if you want to like make amends or or vice versa like reach out in the dms we're open yeah like we we don't want to get personal with this like this is supposed to be fun it's just a game um like let's keep it light let's keep it fun uh, we got another uh, rivalry game coming into this week. It's personally my second favorite rivalry that we have. So uh, let's all just, let's have fun with it. Let's uh, let's not take things more personally than we should. Um, but with that, uh, we'll, we'll close there. Um, thank you guys so much for, for joining us here on the hype train. Um, sorry for, we, we, it's, it's, it's been a fun show. Um, I, I did. I did want to get in uh, one shot uh, in the spirit of that trash talk from uh, from our boy Hunter Miller. We asked him if uh, if there's anything that he wanted to to say on the show, um, and this is what he said. He said, "If Utah State's plan is to injure our starting quarterback every year, they should probably look into a new one because whether it's our starter or a third string QB, we are still kicking their." So I <laughs> uh, had to, had to, had to, to censor that for my mom. Who's surely listening, um, <laughs> but uh, thank you Hunter for that. Um, but yeah, with that BYU owns Utah state, the dairy farm, the wagon wheel, the beehive boot, it is all ours. Uh, so let's, let's revel in that for the next 365 days of uh, being the best team in the state of Utah, the best team in the state of Arizona. <laughs> And soon the best team in the state of Idaho. But with that, uh, all aboard. Choo-choo. Thanks for joining us here on the Hype Train. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Shout out to Ryan Pritt, ranked BYU 6 in the A people. <laughs>